Welcome to The Kingstonian, a podcast that profiles individuals who are passionate about what they do for a living, about what organization they belong to, or simply passionate about the community they are a part of. Hello there and welcome. My name is Dave Cunningham. On today's program, a man passionate about playing rock and roll, rhythm and blues, and the sound of a big horn band, a big fat horn band, and his name is Rick Flemingan. Rick, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Dave, for inviting me. Glad to be here. We're going to talk about your band. We're going to talk about you, first of all, and I want to get some sense as to your background in music, because you have been playing for a long time. Well, a long time is right. I've been playing for 45 years. I started learning piano when I was in grade one in school, and I studied piano for about eight or nine years. When I went to high school, I took up the clarinet and um, studied it for the next four years. And throughout that tenure, I also took up saxophone, about grade 11, I guess. And uh, then... When I was 19 years old, I, I bought a $60 sax and, and joined, a, joined a band and went on the road full-time playing 50 weeks a year. So um, that, that's how I got started. That was in Ottawa. Uh, my early training that I mentioned was in Prescott, Ontario. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ottawa happened to be a big city nearby, so I went there. Um, I played full-time almost my entire life now, with the exception of a brief jaunt into the corporate environment, which I found uh, didn't agree with my sensibilities. (laughs) So um, that just leaves me as basically a full-time musician and still doing that. Now, in terms of some of the bands locally before Big Fat Horn Band. Mm-hmm. Uh, where would people have seen you play before? Well, they may have seen me back in the 80s with the Fabulous Jaguars, which was a wonderful R&B type band. Um, then in the 90s, I played with Michael George and the Jive for several years. I formed uh, a blues band called Blue Monday, uh, which I played with for 10 years. We released two CDs. I played with a whole lot of other bands throughout the 90s. I can't really remember them. Um, I know we had Larry Stafford on this program several months ago. Yeah, he was in the Fabulous Jaguars. I love playing with Larry. And he uh, impresses me greatly by his emphasis on digging up as much information about all the people who have played in bands in Kingston, that website or that Facebook page he has, with just about anybody who has ever played in any band in the town, and there are a lot of them. Larry's pretty good that way, and of course he has he has a fabulous memory. I mean, he's been living in Kingston his entire life, and uh, I did, whereas I didn't move here till 83. Anyway, yeah, he's he's tapped in, and he was always a big fan of of music. Um, oh, in 97, I formed uh, Soul Survivors. Right. And they had a good run till 2004. Um, and then in six, I moved to Memphis, Tennessee, um, and was basically a working Beale Street musician. I had two or three different house gigs on Beale Street. 
And um, then I joined a touring band in Memphis, and we toured all over the southeast. I was also selected to go to uh, Italy for an R&B festival. It's the largest R&B festival in in Europe. Mm -hmm. It's uh, called the Peretta Soul Festival. Uh, the guy who who runs it used to um, used to be the uh, the ma the manager of um, oh my, the name eludes me is a, a a blind vocalist uh, a, a, an operatic singer I forget his name right now. the current guy Andrea Bocelli uh, that's who it is yeah, he okay. was he discovered him and was his manager. And he went on to get a job with the Italian government um, as uh, as a social co uh, social department, mm -hmm. um, uh, cultural department. And every year he comes to Memphis and he hires a core group of musicians to go play at the Peretta Soul Festival and to back up other names. Mm -hmm. So one year uh, I was selected. That was a tremendous thrill. I got to play with a lot of a lot of great people like. Uh, Irma Thomas was on the bill. Playing, playing right beside me was one of the greatest trumpet players in rock and roll history. Was Wayne Jackson of the Memphis Horns. Mm -hmm. He was on eighty-eight top ten hits with everybody from Elvis to Sting. Now I'm interested in knowing why you decided to go to Memphis in the first place. Well, that's a pretty good question. My wife had just graduated as a nurse at the age of 50. She had, she had left her previous career and decided mm -hmm. to go into nursing. And when she went to seek employment, our children were gone and moved out of the house, and we basically knew the world was at our doorstep. So she went to a job interview in Atlanta, a job fair, and, and uh, got 20 interviews and was offered 20 jobs. <laughs> and one of them, was in Memphis, Memphis Tennessee. Tennessee. And I said, wait a minute. I've been playing Memphis hits my entire life. So I checked out the scene on the internet and realized it was still happening. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go to Memphis. And I was able to play with all kinds of people that I had listened to growing up or play with the guys who were in their bands and get all the stories. And, and just in case, for the listener's perspective, just in case we didn't make it clear off the top of the show, is that you play saxophone um, yeah. in a band. And so I know that I was um, looking at a video on a, on a DVD, and it's about the folks in Motown, the background musicians, right. the, the Funk Brothers. Right. And uh, they played on everybody's hits, but they never get the recognition, That's or never right. got the recognition yeah. uh, a lot of these background musicians ever mm -hmm. got. So at some particular point, you decide to leave Memphis and come to Kingston. Well, in, within five years, I had basically done everything I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I'd worked Beale Street to death. I'd played with all kinds of great players, and I toured all over the place in the States. I probably played in 20 states while I was there. And then I just decided, well, okay, it's time to go home to Canada. You know, um, and that was it. It was that simple. I just wanted to get home to Canada. So you came back here. 
And you decided that you wanted to put together, instead of having a three or four person band like most people have, you decided you wanted to put 10 people on a stage. That's right. How did that process happen? Well, I asked everybody around town what's going on, what's happening back in Kingston. They said, Rick, uh, there's a lot less places to play, and they're only hiring duos and trios. I said, okay, fine. Well, if there's nowhere to play, I might as well put together my dream band, (laughs) which would be a 10-piece band featuring a vocalist and six horns and a a rhythm trio behind it, guitar, bass, and drums. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to my buddy Sylvain Gagnon, who's a bass player, and he and I have played together a lot, different things. And I said to him, what do you think? I said, let's put together a band where I can play the songs This was when I was 60 years old. And I said, I can play the songs that I've wanted to play my entire life, but I was never in a band with guys that were good enough to learn these songs because they're very difficult. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm all for it. Let's do it. Let's have some fun. Even if we never work, let's just have some fun. So it was formed as a rehearsal band. And I thought I'd be lucky if I got three or four gigs a year in the parks mm-hmm. hired by the city of Kingston. That was it. Now, we've been playing for five and a half years every month at the RCHA on the last Saturday night of the month. And we also play engagements elsewhere, at people's weddings or special parties and mm-hmm. such a thing, you know. And uh, we're we're working. We're a busy band. Let's talk about the band and the people in it. So we know sure. Sylvain's on bass. Sylvain Gagnon is on bass, and he's just a marvelous, marvelous musician. He plays several instruments. He's also the conductor of the military band here in town. Okay. And on top of that, he's a symphony musician. Okay. Playing tuba or bass. String bass. Okay. So that's Sylvain. Right. On drums, we have Mike Sackle, an old buddy of mine that I've been playing with since 93. And he's constantly in three, four, or five bands. He's a total constant in my musical life. He also sings backup vocals. He does sometimes. sing backup yeah. vocals. He sings lead vocals, too. Mm-hmm. Um, on guitar, we have the incomparable Dave Barton. Mm-hmm. Um Awesome guitarist, awesome guitarist. Probably the best jazz man in the city of Kingston. Uh, Dave has an international, or he certainly has a national reputation. Mm -hmm. He's known in the jazz community across this country. Yeah. So there's Dave on guitar. We're so lucky to have him. And um, the horn section is six different people. We have Dr. Chris Hammond, a dentist on trumpet who can play a trumpet like no other trumpet player in the city of Kingston. Mm -hmm. He's got all the the high tones, the top tones, and he's an exciting soloist. On uh, second trumpet, we have Janet McRae, who uh, I've worked with since 97 in The Soul Survivors. Janet is also a trumpet player that comes with a symphony background, Mm -hmm. a big band background, a classical background, she plays with um, with brass works. Um, she's just a superb musician. I love working with her. On trombone, right now, we have a Queen student. 
He's the newest member of the band. He's been with us since September, and his name is Joseph Dashney. And he studies at uh, the Queen's School of Music. And I'll tell you, this guy is a really, really talented guy. Really talented. And uh, I wish I'd had that much talent when I was his age. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he's holding his own, no problem. On uh, alto sax, we have um, we have a neonatal nurse named Sandy Bowman, who's had a full career as a nurse. She never played professionally until this band, and I discovered her in the Frontenac County uh, Orchestra, a community concert band, the Frontenac County Community Concert Band, and that's where I found Chris Hammond on trumpet, also. Mm-hmm. And then on baritone saxophone, we have uh, Brooke Wobodich, who plays with many different groups around town on baritone sax and is well-known. And she was also the band leader of the LaSalle Causeway um, Big Band. She was the leader for years. So you have quite a selection of musicians in that group. We do. And we have a singer. That's right. And the singer is Michael K. Myers, uh, you'll he plays in four or five different outfits in town, and he works as a soloist and as a duo, and he spends all summer working on the tour boats out of Kingston. He's constantly working. I could never keep up with that guy. No. We had him on this program a few months ago, and just the litany of things that he does do are, are, is just amazing, too. Truly remarkable. And and to be able to adapt to certain styles Mm -hmm. as well, different kinds of styles. Let's talk about picking songs and arranging songs for the Big Fat Horn Band. How do you decide what to play? Picking songs is one of my favorite things to do. Um, I probably spend an hour of day searching for tunes. And when I'm going to pick the next song for the Big Fat Horn Band, it usually has to have a legacy. Did it receive a Grammy Award Was is number one. If it did, is it also in the Grammy Hall of Fame? That will help seal it for me mm-hmm. right there. Because it's, it's going to be a highly recognizable tune that everybody will know. It's world famous. And um, then what I do is I pick eight or ten of these. And I contact my lead singer, Mike Myers. And I say, Mike... Pick three of these songs. Which would you like to sing? Because he he has to sell them That's from right. the stage. Yeah. So it's all on his shoulders. If he can't see himself singing a song, we're not even going to consider it. So he picks three or four of his favorites, and then the work on the arrangements begins next. Now, when it comes to picking songs, if you have a big band, I think there is a school of thought that would suggest that you've got to go back to the swing era. That, and play those songs. And you and I, before we started recording the interview, were talking about that idea. And tell me what you told me about choosing those. Well, the thing is, is that this we don't have to go back to the swing era. Although, the oldest song in our book is from 1914, St. Louis Blues. Mm-hmm. But it's an updated, funky version from the 90s. Uh, we do have a few old swingers, but they have to be massively famous, maybe revitalized by Mike Buble. So a Sinatra tune made famous again by Buble, 
All right, we'll go with that because so many people own Buble Records. Right. And he is so popular. But the audience that we're playing to, 40 to 75 years of age, they they didn't grow up on swing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do know classic hits from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s. So we select mostly from there now. So that's where most of your stuff comes from. So you send some song suggestions to Michael Myers, and he picks the three songs he wants to sing. And then you take that material, and what do you do with it? All right, I own thousands and thousands of charts that I purchased online through the Internet. And I go to those charts that are representative of the songs that Mike Myers would want to do. And then these charts are filled with imperfections. So I have to discover the 100 or more errors in each chart and fix them. And... um, I also have to determine what key signature Mike Myers would like to sing these in and rearrange them to that key. And then I may make wholesale rearrangements on these by changing the intro or adding a guitar solo or changing the ending or adding horns at a spot where they're unexpected or removing horns from a certain spot in the song. Um don't forget, these are just arrangements that some other guy arranged. Mm-hmm. I don't have to accept his arrangement That's as right. gospel. Once I'm done working on that chart, which can take several hours, <clears throat> I then send it to the master musician in the band, Dave Barton, our guitarist, who has way more musical education than me and has been doing arrangements his entire life. He goes over, and basically the way I like to think of it is that I bake the cake, Dave puts the icing on it. (laughs) And it's a work of art by the time Dave Burton's done with it. He sends it back to me, and then I have to do the editing for each individual player. And that's all. That just takes a few more hours. So a lot of effort goes into bringing a song before the band. And then... This band only rehearses two hours a month. Mm -hmm. So if I bring, I send the songs out to the band uh, uh, electronically. I send them their parts. They have two weeks to get those parts ready for our rehearsal. And when we pull a rehearsal, we just want to discover, does the chart work? Okay, everything seems good. Uh, Each of you individually in the band should discover where your weakness is in this song make a note on the chart, go home, practice it between now and gig date. It's individual responsibility. And one of the things that I'm amazed about, and I guess if you are not a musician and you are just a listener or an attendee at a concert or a a gig, you don't have any sense at all as to how much work goes on behind the scenes to get this song ready for presentation at this particular event. There's a lot of work that goes on. In this kind of band, there's a lot of work. In most bands that I played in throughout my life, we would simply take a tape of the song or a CD into the studio, we'd listen to it, then we'd start practicing it by ear. In this kind of band, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Let's approach this from another perspective. When you are playing, and uh, I know that I've been in the RCHA club a couple of times. It's not a huge club in terms of floor space. Seats 80. Seats 80. There is a dance floor, if there I recall. Is. Small yep. one. Yeah. How important 
to you is it that people get up and dance? Does it matter? Well, generally, I feel like I'm not doing my job if they don't get up and dance. I mean, when I first decided I wanted to be a musician, it was because I saw a band making people get up and dance. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, they're magicians. (laughs) (laughs) I want to do that. (laughs) So I think it's very important that they get up and dance. Yes. The RCHA Club is a place where you play uh, every month. The last last Saturday. The last Saturday of of every every month, month, yes. Why do you like the RCHA Club? I love it because it's like playing in a living room. It's almost an acoustic feel. And we get a very natural sound sound for the band. The other thing I love about it is that the people are seated from the back of the room right up to in front of the band stand. You can look right at them, they and they are looking right at you. So there's an intimate connection between the band and the audience. And you can see their reaction as you're playing. You can see their reaction immediately. You see them looking around the bandstand. If Dave Barton's playing a solo, they look over at him. If Mike Myers is singing, they look at him. When the band goes into a horn soli or a solo, they're looking over at the horn section. It's marvelous. And from what I read is you fill that place every month. (laughs) We... We sell it out on, on about eight to, out of every ten nights that mm-hmm. we play there. Uh, it sells out in advance. The tickets are on sale in advance. Mm-hmm. And there's only a limited number, 80. And that's it. When they're gone, they're gone. Now, when you do a show, from time to time, you'll have a guest vocalist come in and sing. I'm glad you brought that up. Five months of the year, we have a guest vocalist. Uh, We always have a brand new guest on every February, and this year it will be Vanessa Head, um, who plays with the band Head Over Heels. Is that Kevin? She's married to Kevin Head, that's right. I've worked with her a few times. This lady has a great voice. You've got to come out and hear her. February, last Saturday of the month. And then in May, June, August, and September, we also have guest vocalists. We've had several singers from around town sing with us. And then we have our Christmas show, which is in December, December 14th and 15th. And we have three guest vocalists along with Michael K. Myers. So four lead singers on the Christmas show. And you could, those tickets are on sale now, and they, they sell out very quickly. So this show is going to be airing a day or two before that Christmas show. So we are urging people to call the club and see if there are any left because based upon past practice, the tickets go really quickly. But it's probably uh, something that you should put on your list to do this weekend is to go and see that show. It's a fun show and it's not all Christmas music. Mm -hmm. Some of it is, you know, some Stevie Wonder or Paul Simon and things like that. And then also Christmas music. Probably... 40% Christmas music, but they're pretty hip and very cool Christmas arrangements. Something to look forward to. We have run out of time on the show. Oh, no. I know. I could have gone on forever if you hadn't (laughs) noticed. (laughs) That's what people say on this program all the time. I want to thank you very much for coming in today and talking about your passion, and uh, good luck in your future endeavors. Thank you. 
It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for inviting me, Dave. Theme music for the program is Stasis Oasis, a tune written and performed by Kingston musician Jim Aylesworth. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about any of our episodes, please send a note to the Kingstonian Podcast Facebook page. This is Dave Cunningham from Kingston, Ontario. Thank you for listening. Until next time.